So hello dear listeners, today hello, everyone. we are back in the new year with a new episode for you. First, yeah, after a short break. Yeah, first episode in 2021. Um, and we have, you know, very interesting topic to discuss today. Uh, recently agreed uh, Chinese investment deal, I mean the EU, the EU investment deal with China. And it's a lot of, I guess, fuss, a lot of noise, because uh, it's kind of counterintuitive, I guess, to this anti-American sentiment. And it's just interesting to dive deep into it, because it's not so obvious why they actually reached this deal and why do they even need this. Yeah, I think the, the, this news was overshadowed by some, you know, coronavirus yeah. news and, uh, and New Year, of course, but it's nevertheless uh, important for the EU, China and basically the entire world. Yeah, and also, I guess, Brexit deal as well, so they kind of uh, try to maybe not conceal it, but in a certain way to hide it from the public, so it would, it would pass very fast uh, EU Council and just the EU institution, so they wouldn't need to like uh, respond to some backlash, I don't know, from the United States or even from some European countries as well. Yep. So let's just, I guess, unpack this deal a little bit. Um, so I've read uh, this deal was kind of in progress since 2014, which is kind of interesting in terms of it was like very different. Um, this is a very different period of time and no one was so aggressively anti-Chinese back then. And it's basically just very good deal. I mean, it was supposed to be a very good deal for you just to invest um, money after financial crisis, I guess. Yep, and that's why they. I mean, of course, they are interested in China in terms of its like big market, and of course, they have lots of money to invest in EU economy as well. Yeah, it's interesting to discuss uh, because some people say that it's a good thing for the EU, and some say it's bad. Well, a good thing is that EU companies will have an easier access to Chinese markets, which means well profit for the European mm -hmm. companies and also a boost to Chinese economy. Uh, but on the other hand. Um, People say that this might be really an end to the idea of this strategic autonomy because it kind of binds the EU with China even more. We can see how EU was reliant on Chinese supplies during the pandemic, buying you know masks and different medical equipment from China because it wasn't able to produce to produce it in Europe. And now um, people say Europe might be even more reliant on China. So what do you think? What's the uh, relationship between this new trade deal and the idea of strategic autonomy that we discussed already. I guess it's very interesting, but I guess it's, it can be seen as also as a part of this as a part of this initiative because you know EU kind of gives its own voice. I guess uh, you can read up something like EU was you know fed up with this uh, Trump administration policy, and even though now they have democratic administration ca coming. And very soon, they still kind of want to show that, you know, uh, we were humiliated by Trump administration and now we pursue kind of our own policy towards China. And also, I guess it's, as it's important to mention that this deal was pretty rushed uh, in terms mm -hmm. of they specifically tried to conclude it, uh, tried to agree on it with China just before Biden uh, takes office. And I guess they just, because of like Germany, German presidency, and I guess German presidency was pretty successful. It was like the last thing on the agenda that we wanted really to get done. And Germany is especially way more pro-Chinese. All the people say France is also like really backed up this deal. So it's kind of like this Franco-German alliance working together to make this deal possible. 
Um, so I guess they, as they, I guess they see those as a part of this uh, concept of uh, strategic autonomy that you know they make decisions on their own. You know they're responsible for their decisions. But I guess it, it received uh, a lot of criticism, especially from American press and from liberal press. I would say. In yeah, and it's uh, also important, it was rushed because the German presidency of the Council of the EU, uh, the term was expiring very soon at the end of the year, so they wanted to get it done before the term would expire, so it was rushed. And some member states uh, were saying that uh, this rush wasn't a good thing because they felt excluded from those mm-hmm. talks. Uh, and some countries that are more anti-Chinese than Germany might be. I know that um, Belgium was voicing some concerns, Poland as well. Um, and yeah, it's uh, interesting to see uh, that Germany was so proactive in you know, setting a course for the EU very uh, well by themselves yeah. so quickly. I guess Germany believes way more in this idea of uh, some sort of like good relationship with China still. And you cannot be very... I mean, they're not really interested in this aggressive politics. And also, I mean, Germany is European power, so, I mean, in European powers in general, I guess they have not so much things to do with China as the U.S., because, of course, the U.S. needs to kind of stand up for Asian allies as well. So the kind of, like, the U.S. thinks more in this Asian paradigm, um, like security paradigm. But, of course, they use things just from their own perspective, from, like, business interests and so on and so forth. So just for them, I guess, it's just they are way more interested in just... uh, gaining money from this deal, I guess, uh, business interest, first of all. And that's why they kind of rushed it to not to get like, I guess, very harsh criticism during Biden administration. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that um, President Trump would have been uh, very displeased with this deal. Uh, but what, what will President Biden think? He has thought us less anti-Chinese than Trump was. But still, he isn't a friend of China. Yeah, I guess. And Biden just, uh, I guess, will continue this policy because people say it's like one of the last issues where you have like this bipartisan agree- agreement between Republicans and Democrats and no one is actually interested in really restoring kind of like friendship or good relationship with China. And also you see a lot of concerns from Taiwan. You see a lot of concerns from Japan and South Korea. And they're all kind of interested in strong American presence. They also called for the EU to step in and, you know, all this idea to turn NATO into not European geopolitical alliance, but more like to turn NATO into world alliance. Um, this, I guess, like this idea, and they raised it a couple of times during this NATO summit, you know, you should also be engaged in Asia, I guess calling for like, European allies to be way, way more engaged with China than they are now. But, you know, and that we get that we get this investment deal and there is yeah there is a lot of like articles criticizing it um which is like very interesting because it really happens very fast you wasn't on the agenda i mean on the news even two weeks ago everyone discussed like a brexit deal and then it yeah. happened very very quickly yeah it was a very busy uh, month the last month of 2020 for the yeah. eu um and also concerning the deal, uh, I think it's a prime example of realpolitik, really. If you uh, look at the narrative that EU creates uh, about itself, it's usually, yeah, we are, you know, the alliance for democracy, mm-hmm. rule of law, yada, yada, yada. But yet here we are striking a deal with uh, probably the largest dictatorship on the face of the earth. 
Yeah. And uh, many people raised the concerns that, okay, we, are, we gained access to the Chinese market, which is really not a fair market. We have mm. a lot of exploitation of, you know, people yeah. and uh, concerns about slave labor are also there. Mm. But still, uh, we see that in the face of a crisis, uh, the coronavirus crisis, the EU really prioritizes its, its own well-being. Yeah, and it's especially hard after this uh, coronavirus crisis. It kind of gives like some good reputation, like gives some good outlook to Chinese, you know, because to China in general, because they kind of managed to still, uh, you know, uh, to still make this deal real. And for them, it's big, I guess, uh, diplomatic achievement just to have this deal, um, just to make this deal true. Um, so it's just interesting how it gives some credits actually to China after all this pandemic. And it's also it's also happening when China tries to kind of deny COVID still, it tries to deny allegations, it tries to kind of blame India or something like this. Um, I mean, kind of non nonsense, nonsense uh, so to speak, from, like, comes from Chinese officials, but, you know, still the EU was pretty pleased to uh, push into this direction, which is, I mean, still very interesting and gives you, like, this idea that, uh, I guess, like you know, interests are interests, and if they have this interest, they just gonna defend them because they're not really Europe is not really you know um, kind of military alliance, so to speak. It's just like kind of convergence of interests, economic interests, first of all, and they yeah. think from this perspective. Yeah, that's a very good point. EU is thinking less strategically in terms of military security, but economic security. That's true. Yes, and uh, I guess. But it's still, I mean, for me, it's fascinating how it, you know, it gives some credit to China after this pandemic and the, it, the whole thing happened, I mean, extremely fast. Um, so it's... Yeah, I remember how at first when the uh, epidemic broke out in China, we were discussing how well this influenced the Chinese economy and we were thinking, oh yeah, maybe they will experience a drop in their GDP mm -hmm. and slowed economic growth, but, well, <laughs> something different happened. China is emerging stronger from this crisis. Yeah, and way faster. And, I mean, they did not really have those big restrictions during, like, New Year, uh, New Year, like, this New Year holiday season, because they already kind of... Uh, I mean, first of all, they have uh, vaccinated the most people, I guess, and second, they just uh, don't experience this kind of spike in infections. So they kind of like uh, already passed this uh, curve and they try to, I mean, they're restoring the economy, as you said, yeah, very, very fast. So they give, they kind of benefit from the whole, in, from geopolitical perspective, they're really now uh, in a very, very beneficial place, so to speak, because they can really gain all the perks uh, of, of all the perks of their internal market growing and they can sell more products and these products are not European or American, they're just Chinese. So I guess they will really grow fast like next year and maybe will become more aggressive actually. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, but it's a very interesting point to consider, uh, you know, those great power politics. Um, Especially right now, even the president of the European Commission was speaking about great power politics in terms of the EU and, you know, uh, US mm -hmm. and Chinese relations. So what would you say, how does this trio of, let, let's call them great powers, the EU, US and China, what is the relationship between the three? Uh, which one is mm -hmm. declining, which one is rising? And what's, well, we know that the US is declining, China is rising, but what's the role of Europe in between of those two? Uh, let's say it's like... It's a brilliant question, really 
I guess it's really hard to locate right now Europe because Europe has its own, I guess, uh, very great ambitious, ambitious like projects and it's very ambitious like political institution, very important in the world. Um, but it's it's yeah, I guess it's interesting because they really want to be this uh, to have this autonomous politics and maybe for them this deal you know kind of signifies that you know they are autonomous from the US and they kind of think strategically in their own interests and we already mentioned you know they have more economic interests and strategic interests they're also not really involved with China in any military way um, it's just American troops mainly there in Asia so I mean they just just think about this maybe you know we can pacify China if we still continue this trade instead of uh, continue this Trump politics because uh, at the end of the day it's also like this belligerent politics came from you know Republicans and Trump administration and maybe they still disagree with this politics but uh -huh. because of uh, you know great power politics in general the structural problems for the US it's kind of normal to continue this uh, belligerent politics and just continue this uh, great power competition with China but for you you just looks a little bit different at this issue and maybe it still believes in some pacification or just this idea that you need to have good relation economic relationships so not to kind of isolate the country and maybe deteriorate like this uh, whole situation just give it a hand so to speak so what, what's your so, idea yeah well um i think that eu is trying to pursue strategic autonomy and i understand your point about you know mm -hmm. showing uh, that we are autonomous, we can strike a deal with China, even if the US doesn't approve. Uh, but still, it's sort of a politics of um, being, you know, sitting on the fence. Uh, we are still a US ally, but we want to be friends with China as well. Um, I think it's hard in such a brutal world to be on the fence. I think at a certain mm -hmm. point, either you stand by your own or you align with somebody else. Um, What's your take on this? Do you think that yeah, the EU can be sitting on the fence while the conflict and tensions between the US and China escalate? Yeah, that's a, that's a good call in, in terms of uh, it really it really looks like China is very successful in like dividing uh, now European Europe like transatlantic uh, allies and kind of like uh, divide Europe from from the US. I think there, there is like certainly a point there, especially for me as for Russian, it's like very hypocritical, you know, to kind of blame Russia for everything bad, but they can like just uh, don't notice everything bad that happens in China, which is like, uh -huh. for me, like just like double standards and it's like just pure like this uh, Western hypocrisy when you know, you blame one country for this, but you kind of like close the eyes because you have like a big economic interest and you just continue. Yeah, and uh, I guess it's uh, it's really bad that they like didn't. I guess it's really bad that they rushed. Um, maybe you know if they didn't rush and they would continue some kind of some kind of they would continue raise some issues and maybe uh, bring some you know human rights agenda uh, and something like this. It would be more let's say it would it would be more in the youth interest to show this kind of face. Oh, I like uh, and but they instead kind of showed this face of let's rush, you know, let's push for the deal. Um, and also, it shows for me like this just great importance of uh, Germany, I guess, in France and in current political situation in Europe. They really have like, I mean, their interests are very strong and they kind of like can push other countries into a certain direction, even, even like Poland or some other countries, of course, have uh, issues and concerns. 
But I mean, because yeah. two most powerful countries are aligned uh, in Europe, they can like yeah. make this happen. And also without it's... Great Britain, because Great Britain, of course, is anti anti Chinese. Yeah, Great Britain is still uh, in this Western uh, way of thinking, and all amidst those talks of strategic autonomy of Europe, I think that Europe still is a economic battleground between China and the US, even as we talk about autonomy. Yeah. Would you agree? Yes, that's that's uh, that's true. I guess uh, I guess it just this, but situation for me as well can change uh, if you know the China probably continue behaving very aggressively towards maybe Taiwan or maybe there will be some skirmish or some kind of like military clash between two or just between the US or and China, who knows. Maybe then the situation maybe will change dramatically because I guess I guess like general politicians should be very suspicious uh, to China and of course there is no doubt that um, it's like very closed system. Even it's, it's even worse yeah. than the Russian system in terms of like information. You cannot really get any information or access. The transparency to... just yeah, is just, just terrible. Yeah. yeah, just awful. So of course, like people need to be really suspicious. And when you kind of conclude any sort of a deal, you should pursue your own interests first. And also, if Europe wants to be really defender of democracy and stuff like this, they really need to pay attention to what's happening with Uyghurs or. Like uh-huh. just minorities exactly. and yeah, just all these bad things. Or everyone knows about them. But even like the rhetoric towards the coronavirus is now a little bit horrible because to deny like obvious things is is just bad because it's like. <laughs> well, still you have to give the EU that that um the deal has some provisions on mm-hmm. transparency and labor laws, etc., etc. But let's be honest. Uh, in the level of transparency that China provides, how can you enforce it? I yeah. think it's impossible. That's right. And I also think it's also a good point to make that probably it kind of closes uh, maybe further economical integration with the US because I won't see how any kind of like, like a new trade deal between two can be made when you have like such an agreement with China. It will be definitely no go, I guess, for the US. Uh, so. It kind of deteriorates a little bit like the relationship but what do you think uh, about like biden's reaction and how um i mean the american new american administration will face this issue yeah, i think that uh, biden of course would like to stop this rapprochement between europe and uh, china but i don't think that he will use a, a big stick policy i think you rather try to convince the EU that they're better off with the US than China. I don't think he'll be punishing the EU in any way. He doesn't seem like this kind of guy. But I'm sure that he will want to uh, have the EU on his side. Um, I think he'll depart from the politics that Trump uh, pursued towards the EU, like alienating the EU. Uh, And I think that's sort of his, uh, his fault that the EU was pushed more towards the Chinese sphere of influence. Yeah, but it's also for the EU. I mean, they will be cautious anyway because they understand now you have Biden, but then you can have like Trump. Yeah, in four years you can have Trump again. Yeah, and then it will be even worse probably because it's like it's like this, this uh, you know, uh, when you have this policy and then you push back and then it's kind of like vicious circle and nothing really happens and you cannot really have like just normal agenda, it's just like constructive agenda to do something together. So they will be skeptical, I guess, the EU. But I mean, you're right. If Biden tries to really convince them in a like very like democratic and liberal way, 
through like just negotiations and just normal diplomacy that will be great in terms of i mean maybe in two years we'll see some changes and maybe you will still kind of turn its back on china and will be more anti-chinese yeah it's, it's absolutely possible uh, especially uh when you consider different trade deals and um and uh exchanges for example you know the Nord stream uh, gas pipeline yeah. uh it's being built uh, with Russia, even despite despite mm -hmm. the fact that Russia is an uh, authoritarian state, and something like you know like poisoning of Navalny might happen when Germany starts to reconsider starts reconsidering economic ties with Russia and there were talks inside the German government of halting the Nord Stream construction. Uh, so you know maybe something like this will happen in terms of China, some big yeah. diplomatic crisis arises where Europe will have to, mm. well, stop being on the fence and yeah. choose the side in this conflict. But also with Russia, it's more like a strategic question, I guess, for the EU is important because, you know, they share borders and they share these military exercises. And I mean, they definitely like people on the ground, like troops, like I guess uh, in, in Baltic states or in Poland, they regard Russia as enemy and they, you know, you kind of wake up every day and prepare for kind of war with Russia. It kind of like puts you into this thinking, like very anti-Russian thinking for most people and for politicians, I guess, as well. So I guess for them, it's like very strategic. They, they see how the war with Russia is possible, for example, it's also historically. It's really historically. I mean, Russia is part of Europe. Yeah. <laughs> and they participated in all like, European wars. But exactly. with China, it's difficult to imagine how like they will have a conflict. If you, how can they all like can have like a conflict? Maybe like French ships can still participate in some conflict because they have a like, good navy. But I mean, besides France, uh, no one is really you know in this region. Like, it present is in this region, so they don't really care. I guess about uh, don't really care about this in strategic terms and military terms. Yeah, exactly. The EU doesn't have any major interests in Asia like the US does, so yeah. they're more prone to being uh, China-friendly. Yeah, even though even though they're way more anti, and they're way more repressive, I guess, in Russia and way more... Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, I guess uh, that's it. That was like really nice. Uh, yeah, that's pretty, we nailed it. Yeah, so subscribe to our channel, straight us, um, and uh, stay tuned for further episodes. Yep. Um, have a nice weekend and week. Goodbye. Goodbye.